The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold and precious stones and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. This title was written on her forehead. Mystery. Babylon the Great. The mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of those who bore the testimony to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. The angel said to me, Why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast she rides, which has seven heads and ten horns. Now, the beast is being described in Revelation 17 as the great beast that arises that creates a one-world government. The woman sitting on the beast power. This woman is filled with wickedness. Every evil thing flows in her life. But she has all of the seduction of a beautiful woman. Now it says, The waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. So get the picture. She is seated on a beast power, and that beast power turns against her. It says in chapter 17 of Revelation, verse 16, they will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to give the beast their power to rule until God's word is fulfilled. Chapter 18. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. And with a mighty voice, he shouted, Fallen! Fallen is Babylon the Great. She has become a home for demons and a haunt for every evil spirit, a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. And then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. 
for her sins are piled up to heaven. And God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given. Pay her back double for what she has done. Mix her a double portion from her own cup. Give her as much torture and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart she boasts, I sit as a queen, I am not a widow, and I will never mourn. Therefore, in one day, her plagues will overtake her. Death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire. For mighty is the Lord God who judges her. And when the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her and shared her luxury see the smoke of her burning, they will weep and mourn over her, terrified at her torment, that they will stand far off and cry, Woe! Woe, O great city, O Babylon, city of power! In one hour your doom has come! The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. Cargoes of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen, purple silk, scarlet cloth, every sort of citron wood and articles of every kind made of ivory, costly wood, bronze, iron, marble, cargoes of cinnamon and spice, of incense, myrrh and frankincense, of wine and olive oil, of fine flour and wheat, cattle, sheep and horses, carriages, and the bodies and souls of men. They cry out in verse 16, Woe, woe, O great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and glittering with gold and precious stones and pearls. In one hour, such great wealth has been brought to ruin. Well, this is speaking about the the whore of Babylon. The woman who sits on the beast. And in one hour, her destruction will come. Well, who is this woman? We're going to spend time now and in the future, and we're going to talk about who this woman is. But I want to cut right to the chase and say to you, I believe that that beast power is the one world government, and I believe the woman that sits on the beast is America. I believe America is Babylon. Now, I have many scriptures that I'll go to as we continue later talking about Babylon. But first, I want to address very personal issues with you. This Babylonian prostitute. She's going to be burned in one hour. I believe America is going to be burned in one hour. Now it looks like 
America is about to go to war with Russia and we will be nuked. I don't believe America's destruction comes at this point. First, the one the one powerful central government must arise. The beast must arise. And America will sit on that beast and even create an image to that beast and will enforce the mark of the beast. And America will become a bitter persecutor of Christians. And many will be martyred and will die. Now, I know I'm speaking directly opposite of what many prophecies are are saying that are coming forth today. I'm sorry, I'm not influenced by people who prophesy things. I'm influenced by the scriptures. And as I pray and as I read and I understand the scriptures, it's clear to me that America's future is not bright. It is to be burned. We have had all the luxury. We've had all of the power. And we have caused the nations through Hollywood, through our military, through our government financial policies, we have caused the world to bow down to our petrodollar. We have been wanton in every respect. We are, in every way, a picture of biblical last-day Babylon. We are not facing a time of prosperity. We are not facing a time when everything is going to go back to normal. It will not go back to normal. We are at the end stages of Earth's history, and things are going to close down very rapidly. We will soon enter into the seven years of great tribulation. The first three and a half years will not be as painful and destructive as the last three and a half years. And during that time will be the destruction of America. Now, why am I talking about this? Well, let me tell you. And I know what I'm going to say will be very offensive to some of you and hard for you. I was attending a revival meeting at a very large venue in Washington, D.C. There was a very popular music group in Christian circles that led the praise and worship. And the leader of this meeting stood in front of the congregation, a very large congregation of several thousand, and said, the presence of the Holy Spirit is so heavy in this place. People were waving their flags. They were dancing. They were waving their hands. They were pretending to do something like swimming with their hands as they tried to create a breeze blowing in the sanctuary. I stood in my place at my seat with tears coming down my face. 
a beautiful one, young woman came dancing up to me and she said, Pastor, why aren't you dancing with us? The Holy Spirit is so heavy in this place. I said, no. The Holy Spirit has not even dared to enter this place. She was deeply offended. She said, Pastor, look around you. This is true worship. And as I answered her, no, this has nothing to do with worship. This is all about entertainment. And I could have added, this is the Kundalini spirit. It is a false spirit. It is not the Holy Spirit. I just recently was in a Pentecostal meeting in a Pentecostal church. I am a great admirer of what happened at Azuzu Street. I'm a great I'm a great uh, how should I put it? My heart is very grateful to the pastor who led Azuzu Street, a man who paid a very heavy price. I'm very grateful for how faithful they were to the Holy Spirit. As I was in this Pentecostal meeting, once again, the leader was dancing on the stage. It was a very large venue. People were laughing and shouting, hands upraised. And he's on the platform with his mic as he's dancing, saying the Holy Spirit is so heavy in this place. And people began to fall down. People began to roll on the floor and laugh. The music rolled on. There was no Holy Spirit there. It was a Kundalini spirit, a Buddhist spirit of darkness. Well, how do you know the difference between the Holy Spirit and the Kundalini spirit? Well, you test the spirits. The Holy Spirit will lift up Jesus. The Kundalini spirit will lift up the flesh and the experience, even creating miracles even creating and causing people to fall down. If you watch a Benny Hinn service, you will see the Kundalini spirit operating at its very best as he blows on the congregation. And one man said to me who was in the meeting, he said, I couldn't help it, Pastor. The wind just blew me down. I couldn't stand he said, that had to be the real Holy Spirit of God. I couldn't, I was determined I would not fall. I was on my face almost immediately. And my heart was filled with such wonderful joy. I said, brother, that was not the Holy Spirit. That was a false spirit. Well, how do you know, pastor? Because I test the spirits. What do you mean you test the spirits? 
Isn't that what John tells us to do? Doesn't he tell us to test the spirits in 1 John? And if you test the spirit, what are you looking for? Well, when the Holy Spirit comes, he does not come with shouting and dancing and the flags waving. He does not come with raucous praise and worship music. He does not come with the loud drums blaring. That's not an atmosphere in which the Holy Spirit comes to his people. Search the scriptures. This is a false spirit. The Holy Spirit comes, and when the Holy Spirit comes, he does not come as the happy spirit. He does not come as the dancing spirit. He does not come as the flag-waving spirit. Now, I know I'm stepping on some of your toes, but please hear me. Listen to this whole message. When the Holy Spirit comes, he comes to convict of sin. You know the Holy Spirit is present when people are weeping before God and they are confessing their sin and they're getting right with the Lord. They are crying out to God for mercy and all of their sins are exposed. When the Holy Spirit comes in power among his people, there is what we call revival. Revival is not laughing, barking like dogs, dancing. It's not pastors coming through to pray over you and pushing you down. The modern church has been so deceived in the Pentecostal assemblies of God and other charismatic churches have been so utterly deceived by this kundalini spirit. Oh, we're happy. Jesus came to our meeting and, and his presence was so heavy. It, it caused me to fall down and, and do what? What did it cause you to fall down and do? Did you fall down and begin to confess your lack of righteousness? Did you fall down and confess the anger and bitterness of your heart? Did you fall down and begin to confess how you have been one with the world? Is that what happened? Then that was Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to reveal Jesus in his holiness, in his righteousness. It's not, it's not a time for shouting and dancing. Now, there will be joyful celebration when a person is sanctified when they have come through their sin, where they have confessed their wickedness, where they have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, and all of their sin has been removed, and they no longer desire the world, the flesh, or the devil. They no longer are at peace with this woman, Mystery Babylon. They are no longer 
apart of the wickedness of this world. They are separated, they are apart, and they are rejoicing in the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they are rejoicing in being made holy, in being entirely sanctified. The old man of sin is dead. He is removed. We are now made in the image of Christ, and we rejoice in his miraculous mercy and kindness as he has lifted the burden of sin from our hearts. Now, you know and I know we're very human. And if I were to ask you the question, what is it that you most want in your heart? How would you answer that question? Well, had you asked me that question at various times in my life, I would have answered with a whole array of answers. In my early years, I would have said, what I want more than anything is to have a happy home. And I would have said, I desire above all things to be successful in the work of the ministry. I would have said, at one point, I want a new car. I want a beautiful house. I want to be financially viable. I would have answered at another point, I would like more opportunities to travel and preach in college venues. But about 30 years ago, just over 30 years ago, I signed on in the School of the Holy Spirit And when I signed on to that school of the Holy Spirit, he crashed everything I most desired. And he began to discipline me. He began to call me out of Babylon. He called me out of denominationalism. He separated me out to himself. And if you were to ask me today, Pastor, what do you most desire in all the world? I would answer unequivocally. I want more of Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to be made righteous in every respect. I want no distance between my heart and the heart of Jesus. Now, I've really been crying out to the Lord over the last weeks, even months. I've been deeply troubled by a lukewarmness that I have found in my own heart. And I have cried out to Jesus about this lukewarmness. And I'm, I'm continuing even now to cry out to Jesus and say, Please, remove all lukewarmness from my heart, for I do not want it. 
lukewarmness is caused in our hearts by a desire to be with this prostitute woman who sits on the beast. We want the glittering gold and the precious stones and the pearls. We want the nice car. We want the beautiful house. We want we want a happy fence around our, our lives. That's not what I want. I know that sin causes us to be lukewarm. And it is like a drug that causes us to be unable to even perceive our own lukewarmness. It's a, it's a drug that causes us to look around at everybody else and say, well, they're happy. Look what they're doing. I'll do the same. God wants us to have a wonderful life here. And so we begin to accumulate people, things. We thrust ourselves into our work, into our relationships. We thrust ourselves into our entertainment. But in the end, none of it will satisfy your heart. In the end, the only thing that will satisfy your heart is Jesus. Now, I spoke to you yesterday about Mr. Talkative in the book Pilgrim's Progress. This issue of being able to talk the talk and not walk the walk is a huge issue in the modern American church, especially among Pentecostals, Charismatics, Anglicans, Presbyterians, Lutherans. I want to read for you a portion of Pilgrim's Progress to give us a basis upon which to draw some conclusions. And a talkative person who does not walk, that person is lukewarm. That's a sign of being lukewarm. Saying all the right things, but not doing them. Now, I'll begin reading on page 115. I can see that saying and doing are two different things, faithful, said sadly. Christian stated, there are two different things. They are two different things indeed and are as diverse as the body and the soul 
For just as the body without the soul is a lifeless carcass, so also is saying without doing. The soul of religion is the practiced and working part. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Talkative is not aware of this truth. He thinks that hearing and talking will make him a good Christian, and so he deceives his own soul. By hearing God's word is indeed, that is how the word is sown in our hearts, but talking alone in response to that word is not enough to prove that the seed is bearing fruit in our lives. Let us be very certain that at the day of doom, men will be judged according to their fruits. No one will be asked, did you believe? But instead, were you, were you doers or only talkers? Accordingly, they will be judged. The end of the world is compared to a harvest, the harvest of our souls. And you know, men at harvest time are only interested in fruit. This doesn't mean that we can believe anything false to true faith as long as we bear fruit. Far from it. But I say this to show you how insignificant the profession of talkative will be on that final day of judgment. Faithful added, this brings to my mind what Moses said when he described the beast that is clean. The clean beast is the one that both parts the hoof and chews the cud. Not the beast that is only one or the other. The hare chews the cud, but is still unclean because he does not part the hoof. This truly resembles talkative, who chews the word of God as he seeks knowledge, but he doesn't divide at the hoof. That is, he does not part with the way of sinners. Just like the hare, he has the foot of an unclean dog or bear and is therefore unclean. As far as I know, you have declared the true sense of these gospel texts, Christian affirmed. And I will add one more thing. Paul calls some men, those who are great talkers, sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. That is, as he explains in another place, things without life giving sound. These men are without life and without the true faith and grace of the gospel, even though their talk sounds like the tongue or an angel, a voice of an angel. Consequently, there are men who will never dwell in the kingdom of heaven among those who are children of life. I want you to hear this. All of us, if we're honest, can look back in our lives and have great sorrow over lack of success, over failure in a marriage, over judgments that we've made against a mother or a father, a brother or a sister, 
all of us can look back and say, I wish I'd done it differently. We can look back and see how we spent great amount of great amounts of time and energy seeking to somehow advance our own cause. Some of you have desired to be very successful in sales or very successful in creating a company and you've been able to drive the latest Mercedes or BMW. You've been able to have that beautiful truck that you so lusted after. You've been able to do wonderful vacations. But in the end, you know it's empty. Because then we grow old. And we fade like a flower in the field. And we blow away. I'm warning today that we have all been enamored by Babylon the Great. We have lived in America with a sense of entitlement. We've lived in America where you could live out your lust for success and prosperity. We've lived in a land where you could pretty much do whatever you want to do. And now America is closing down. Elections are stolen. Corrupt officials make decisions and policies that destroy the land. I've seen more destruction in America in the last two years than any time in my life. I'm astonished at how quickly the morality of America looking good on the outside, has totally collapsed on the inside. A dear brother had a dream. In that dream, he was standing on a street, and he suddenly saw the pavement begin to crack. And then suddenly, it broke open, and a geyser of putrid vomit broke out of the ground. He quickly went to the curb and then this vomit began to spread everywhere he looked and finally he ran because the Lord said to him, do not touch the vomit and do not let it touch you. So to escape its spread, he fled to the church. Unfortunately, that wretched spewing vomit has now covered many churches. And every evil thing is being lifted up. Every perverse and perverted thing is being approved of. Even flying their flags at the front door to show that they are woke. Taco Bell, a place I've often enjoyed eating. I'll never enter the door of another Taco Bell. For they have begun to hold 
perverted and wicked gatherings in their restaurant, lifting up sexual perversion. Disney always seemed to be like fun. But if you look back, you would see touchstone pictures and others. You would begin to see the Antichrist rising in that organization. And today I don't see how any true Christian can go to Disney World or Disneyland. We are seeing the corruption of everything that we thought we enjoyed in the past from Hollywood movies to recreation and entertainment. We are seeing such wickedness as it spews out across America. And the day is soon coming when America will be a land of intense persecution against Christians. And many will die. But America will also become known as an abomination of the earth. No longer a habitation of righteousness or morality or holiness. Your only hope is to leave behind all of the things of darkness, to cut yourself free of every entanglement with darkness, to not be a talker, but a doer. To use your money, your time, and your energy, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Using the money that you still have available to you to build the kingdom of God, to support those ministries and those people who preach holiness and live holiness. To support and be a part of churches that are not filled with foolishness foolishness of a kundalini spirit, but who recognize that when the Holy Spirit comes, men will weep and wail under his convicting power for the wickedness of their own hearts and the foolishness of their lust for the things of entertainment in America. Now I have seen, and I'm shy of saying this, but I need to, I have seen in vision the power of the Holy Spirit come. And I have seen what happens to men and women as the power of God comes for real. I've heard the cries and the sobbing. 
I've heard the words of repentance and sorrow. I've seen the release and the washing away of sin as men and women finally put their only hope and only trust in Jesus Christ as their righteous Lord. I've heard the shouts of joy and acclamation as they have come through entirely sanctified, made righteous, no longer walking in any known sin or darkness, but even having the old man of sin removed from their hearts. I've watched that in vision. I know that God is going to bring that. I rejoice in that mighty revival that he will bring but only a small remnant of America will be saved in that revival. Most will deny it, scorn it, and continue talking about their wonderful religious life while they continue to walk in the wickedness of their heart. I know that Babylon is going to be burned. In one day, America will be turned to toast. We will be burned so thoroughly and so deeply that men will cry out in agony seeing the destruction of this once great righteous nation Jeremiah came to the people of God. He called upon them to repent, and they scorned him. I'm not a Jeremiah or a John the Baptist. I'm just a man who has dwelt in the school of the Holy Spirit for many years, being disciplined, being shut in with God. And I'm calling you to repent. I'm calling you to get right with Jesus, to come out of Babylon, to not participate in the sins of this nation, to no longer lust after success or material things, to no longer lust after that house or that job or that car, but to let the presence of Jesus fill your heart and expose the lukewarmness of your own soul and join together with me in crying out to be filled with the mighty power of God to be cleansed, to be made whole. Lord, I come today so heavy in my spirit because I see clearly the destruction of America on the horizon. I see the wickedness of this nation. I have no illusion about some great 
resurgence of prosperity. Lord, I come speaking your word of judgment that this nation will burn and that your people will be persecuted and martyred. But that in the end, you will come and you will rescue your people. Lord, I see this nation crashing. I see this nation falling down deeper and deeper into deprivation, into wickedness, into perversion. I see every unclean thing coming now to roost in the White House, in the courts, in the legislature. in our school boards and in our churches. Lord, I plead quickly to bring forth your word in this land and to gather together a remnant of your people who only want to know you, Jesus, who come and weep before you over the sins of this nation and who say, oh, Lord, gather your people. Save your people. Lord, I praise you and I worship you and I honor you. For there is none like you, Jesus. You are everything to me. Now bless each person who has listened Break in them the lukewarmness. Set them free by the power of your Holy Spirit. Bring deep, heartfelt conviction and change to every person's heart who listens to this broadcast. Let them cast off fear and depression, discouragement, sickness. Lord, let them be revived in the name of Jesus. Thank you, my Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Tomorrow we'll go further in this study. I invite you to please, if you want this broadcast to remain on air, to write to me, to give your tithes and offerings as the Holy Spirit calls you. You can write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel, and you are most welcome to come and and worship with us on a Sunday morning at 10. We usually start praying 15 or 20 minutes before that. I invite you to come. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Nationalprayerchapel, one word, dot com. There you'll find this video and many others, podcasts, 
other resources. You can also give online. Thank you. Mike, thank you. It just came. And also, I want to thank Terry. Thank you. God bless you all. I'll talk to you soon.